Good morning. That was you up there. A wonderful illustration done by Amy of all the work that you all have done this year to make our church a better place. And I hope you enjoyed it. My name is John Uten. I'm a retired United Methodist pastor. And it's my privilege to be able to be here this morning speaking with you. And I thank Pastor Mandy for that privilege. If you are here today and you're new, please text hello to the number on the screen. And that will start a conversation in which Amy or another member of our team will contact you back and answer any questions you have or just let you know that we're glad you're here. Next week, November the 20th, we want to invite all of you to the New People Party, which will be immediately after the second church service. There will be a lunch served. It's primarily for people who are new to the church or who feel new to the church. It's an opportunity to get to meet the staff, to find out what the staff does, who they are, as well as some of the people in the church. This is one of the programs that COVID took down, and I'm glad to see it back again. So uh, please text events or horizon.churchevents and let them know that you'd be interested in being a part of that next week. Okay. We've been talking about the Church on a Mission series. In the last few weeks, we've talked about maturing as Christians, that we don't want to remain as babies, but we want to grow and mature in our faith. We've been talking about giving glory to God, what do you have to give, and being built for a purpose. Today, we're going to talk about our work as Christians. I have been asked a number of times, perhaps because of Jason, whether I was a missionary. The short answer to that is no. And it has to do with the fact that I really like our country. I only left this country once, and that was to go to Tijuana, Mexico. I hope to never leave this country again. That does not make me a good candidate for mission work. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's not that I don't like the ministry of helping others. When I was in Shelton, Nebraska for my eight years there, the Shelton youth went on a mission trip every year. In the time I was there, I know we went to uh, St. Louis, uh, Kansas City, Chicago, Dallas, and a few other places. For the majority of that trip, we had lined up for the kids to be able to be involved in mission. Sometimes we went to the food pantries in that area and we packed food to send out to the smaller pantries. Sometimes we actually gave food away to people. Sometimes we cooked for um, a mission station where they fed the hungry. But always, whatever we were doing, I enjoyed being there, not only working beside the youth, but watching them grow and watching them become the fine young adults they've become. 
I mention this because I understand that God is not calling me to be a missionary. If there's anybody in our family that will carry that out, it's my daughter who I don't think has been in, I think she's been in about every continent there is. She is not like me in that sense. But the truth is that God has given each and every one of us a job. And that job is critical to the work of the kingdom. The work we have is de different, but it's equally important. Paul, in one of the important passages of the scriptures, said that being a toe is not unimportant. I can attest to that. Have you ever stubbed your toe? It lets you know in a hurry how important it is, doesn't it? My wife, uh, through diabetes, is developing neuropathy in her feet and has trouble feeling her toes. The result is she has to look where she's walking because she's not quite sure where she's stepping at any particular time. Paul's point was simple, that no matter what a part of the body we are, the work we have is important to the church. I want you to understand that. It's not in a hierarchy, a hierarchy that says preachers are at the top. We're not. Preaching is no different than teaching. It's no different than the many other ministries within the church. And the important thing is to understand that when God calls us to work on his behalf, he equips us to do that work. Understand that I didn't say he gives us everything we need right away, right? I said that he provides what we need as we need it. The rest is a faith journey. And that brings us to our scripture story this morning. In the sixth chapter of Mark, we read about two feasts. The first of the feasts ended up with the death of John the Baptist. It was a feast of lust in which King Herod was so interested in having his stepdaughter dance that he promised her anything. And after she danced, she asked for the head of John the Baptist on the platter. And Herod gave that gift to her. That's very different from the second feast that Mark tells us about. That's a feast of need. We're told that everywhere Jesus went, the crowd anticipated his being there. We're told in Mark that sometimes they followed him. We're told in Mark that sometimes they went ahead of him so that when he got there, they'd be there. And obviously, very often, they were hungry, tired, just following him around. And we learn in Mark that the apostles could get tired also, and that Jesus suggests that they all rest before carrying out their ministry. In the midst of the pressing crowd and the fatigue, as Jesus is teaching, 
he turns to the crowd and realizes they must be hungry. Now understand, this is the day of no supermarkets. There's no Long John Silver's <clears throat> or Burger King to head out to. And if there was, the disciples don't have that much money. We're told in this scripture passage that there were 5,000 men fed that day. That's important because women and children at that time were not necessarily an important part of life. So the reality is that if 5,000 men were fed, that more than 5,000 people were fed, which would include any children that were present and any women or wives that were present. Jesus challenges them and gives them their call to ministry. He says in 637, after the apostles have said, you know, you've asked something out of us that isn't going to happen. He says to them, you give them something to eat. This is the invitation to ministry. There is no question as we read the following verses that there was not food present to do that. And the apostles make clear that the money they had on hand, even if there was a place to buy food, that it was insufficient to do so. The numbers were just too large. When they looked at the lack of resources, the apostles become overwhelmed and their focus is on what they lack. And when they lack, they understand they cannot do the job that God has given them. Jesus never calls us to ministry without supplying what we need. So the next thing that happens is the apostles are saying, we can't do this, it's too big a job. By the way, have any of you said that? That it's too big a job? I can't see you all, but I'm sure you haven't. Excuse me, I'm sure you have. As they're overwhelmed with what they lack and what they therefore feel they cannot do, Jesus asked them a simple question. How many loaves do you have? Go and check. Now their resources are meager. They come back and they say, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus never focuses on the lack of resources. Jesus always focuses on what's going to happen. And so he blesses the loaves that they have. And in that moment prepares for the miracle that's going to follow. And we're told that not only did the 5,000 plus eat to their heart's content, but that they had baskets left over of extra food. Brothers and sisters, I want to stress again, God is going to give you a job in the church. And when he gives it, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to look at yourself and you're going to say, I don't have the talents to do that. 
you're going to look at yourself and say, well, we don't have the resources to carry that out. But I want to tell you this. What the disciples had to learn is that when God gives us a job, God will take care of that job. It's simply a matter of do you trust God enough to believe that he will get the job done. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. The truth is that we are always unprepared for the ministry God gives us. I remember a lady telling me once when I was looking for teachers that she didn't know the Bible well enough to teach the kids. God will provide. We will never be adequate to the ministry God calls us to do. I remember the first time I stepped in the pulpit. It wasn't a pleasant experience. After all, I was called to be a youth pastor and the senior pastor had this crazy idea that I ought to preach once a month. And when that Sunday came along, I dreaded it. And I have to tell you, when I stepped into the pulpit of the Hanscom Park Church for the first time, and I looked out at the people, because for some reason there you could see them, I just about left. See, the first thing going through my mind is I'm not a good public speaker. I knew that because in high school I made second string debate. I couldn't even make first string debate in the speech. I knew that because in seminary the thing I hated the most was preaching. But I had to trust that if God intended me to do this, that he would provide. And that's what he did. And I have to tell you that I still feel inadequate. And I believe with all of my heart that no one enters the pulpit and shares the ministry of God's word without feeling inadequate because we can speak only through the strength of the Holy Spirit. And that's a scary thought. The same is true of every ministry we're called to. I have taught for a number of years and I'm not equipped to teach. I have worked with middle schoolers and I've heard people say they're the worst. They're really the best. And I love them. But I've never had a ministry that I've felt adequate to do. There's a reason for that. If God is going to give us a ministry of work to do, we're going to feel inadequate. Because God points out more than once that his strength is seen in our weakness. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's word isn't proclaimed because I'm a mighty speaker. God's word is proclaimed because despite my limitations, God 
speaks. And that's the word we hear. I know that because over the years I've had people come up to me and say, when you said this, it really changed my life. And I'm sitting there saying, I don't think I said that. And then it dawns on me that the Spirit said that to them. It doesn't matter. Whatever ministry God calls us to, we're going to feel inadequate to carry out. And that's so we can realize that we have to depend upon God to carry that ministry out. Sometime before I became a pastor, the church switched from a Paul model to a pastor-centered model. A pastor-centered model means we're paying the pastor to do everything. So we expect the pastor to call on the sick, we expect him to call on new people, we expect him to preach, we expect him to teach, and on and on and on. There's only one problem with that model. It's not biblical. Because the Bible says that every one of us are needed to carry out the work of the church. You are needed. And the work that God calls you is needed. If we continue to grow, Horizon needs the work of all of us. Now, I do want to state that Horizons is a little different in this. When I first got here, I was kind of excited because, number one, Horizon had lay preachers. Number two, Horizons had friend in faith. That's another ministry that's gotten short-circuited with COVID. But before COVID, they were calling on people in the hospital. They were calling on people in the homes. They were visiting with people who had concerns. And they were carrying out a vital ministry. And I think I can speak for every one of them when I say that none of them felt adequate to do that task. But they all knew and trusted that God was a part of what they were doing and that God would provide. Now, brothers and sisters, our focus in ministry is critical. You and I can focus on our inadequacies and that is for where the church focuses too often. We don't have the money to do this. We don't have the resources to do this. Do you hear how that kills ministry? right at the beginning? What if our focus became Christ-centered? And we said instead, we may not have the resources to do this now, but God wants it done, and it will happen, and we trust that. The same is true of the individual ministries to which God calls us. Wouldn't it be amazing if somebody said, would you like to teach? And you said to yourself, I ain't no teacher. But then you said, yes, I will. Because I know God will provide. And he wouldn't have called me to this ministry unless he needed me here. Brothers and sisters, it's critical where our focus is. 
If our focus is on ourselves, on the inadequacies of the church resources, our own resources, we will always fail in carrying out Christ's call to ministry. But if our focus is on God's strength and power, on God's ability to provide what is needed when he gives us a task, we will succeed. And I want to tell you that obedience comes with a promise. I mentioned earlier that I have spent 50 years working with middle schoolers. And I have to tell you that anyone that thinks they're the worst is just wrong. I have never enjoyed any ministry as much as working with the middle schoolers. And through the years, they have blessed me more than I have ever blessed them. You see, this is God's promise. When we respond to his call, we will find blessings in the work to which he calls us. Let me close by saying that I want to make a promise to you. When you're asked to do a job in the church, it's been done with thought. Whether it's the nominating committee, a member of the staff, they've prayed about it, and they have discerned God's call that you're the person to do this ministry. I therefore want you to know that what they're asking is vital to our church and that they truly believe God has called you to do it. I also promise you that God will provide what you need to do the job he gives you. And I want you to know that God must love you deeply. I mean, do you realize how deep his love must be? that he would trust me to preach his word, that he would trust us to teach, to administer the church, to carry out the mission work of the church. That's the depth of his love for us. And I encourage you as we prepare for and go about our work to stop focusing on our adequacy and to begin focusing entirely on God's strength. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we praise you and give you all glory. What an amazing thing that you have created the church to be a part of our lives. And it's so important, Father. Because when we're feeling down and discouraged, the church lifts us up and we understand that if it's to grow Lord that each and every one of us has a job and that that job may change but that we will always have a job so we pray Lord that you give us the wisdom to see the truth we pray that you give us the faith not to focus on the moment when we're called on what we can't do, but to focus instead on what you can do. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the joy of carrying out your ministry. Amen.